What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Welcome to Who Pods a Watchmen, a Watchmen HBO companion podcast. My name's Mike Moody. And I'm Grant Davis. Grant, what the hell are we doing here? Watchmen doesn't premiere till like fall. It's it's not even summer. I'll tell you what I'm doing here. I'm jamming out to that intro music you, you just <laughs> dropped on here. You like that? I hadn't heard that yet. That's groovy. Mmm. It's like I, I feel like I'm under the ocean in a way. It does kind of end up with a under the ocean vibe, doesn't it? We haven't heard any Watchmen TV music yet, or music from the show. It's going to be Trent Reznor uh-huh. uh, doing the music along with his Nine Inch Nails collaborator. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that kind of industrial metal feel that yeah. he has. Atticus Finch. Atticus Finch. Yeah. What a name. <laughs> Very Watchmen name. Yeah, that, that fits. Yeah. They, One they, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. They did the Social Network, uh, Gone Girl, of course, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, he's been he's been uh, making a great transition into what old rockers do. They make music for movies. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Watchmen trailer that came out a couple of weeks ago. It was a big, exciting debut. I'm, su- I'm just surprised that it didn't debut with... The end of Game of Thrones. It actually came out a few weeks earlier, but maybe that was just because they wanted to get a little bit of um, hype and buzz about it before the end of the show. Yeah. Like, th- they wanted to get get the word out there a little earlier. But yeah, we're going to be breaking this down and getting into the nitty gritty, examining every single frame. I'm going to push the side arrow over. On the computer, and we're going to say, what about in this frame, where his hand's a little bit lower than it was in the last Are we frame? really going to do a frame by frame? <laughs> I know you're the theory guy. I'm a, I'm grossly obsessive. No, we're not going to do that, okay. though. Yeah. Um, well, we are going to break down that trailer in this episode in a few minutes. But first, we're going to do a very, a very anti-Alan Moore thing and ask you, listener, to subscribe and rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this is just our second episode, so if you dig The Watchmen and Damon Lindelof and HBO and all that shit as much as we do, support the show. Give us five stars. Write a little review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're also on Spotify and Google Podcasts, other places, everywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want to find out where and how to listen, just go to whopodsawatchmen.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media handles there, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff at whopodsawatchmen.com. We, we need to recruit these people. We need our little Watchmen <laughs> Rorschach army. Rorschach? The, Rorschach. The, Am I saying Rorschach? This is a Watchmen podcast, Grant. <laughs> I better be able to pronounce the it's name okay. correctly. It's okay. I can't, I can't pronounce Adrian Veit? Veit? Ozymandias? Ozymandias. <laughs> it's not funny. I, I've heard it. I've heard it. Ozymandias. Ozymandias. That's wrong, though, because the guy who said that to me is insane. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. He's a friend of ours. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go to Watchmen.com. Find uh, links to all of our social media and everywhere you can subscribe. And do subscribe to the show. Uh, Grant, what else can the listener do to support this little baby podcast? You guys 
can help support us monetarily. Give us some of that sweet money, that sweet Adrian Vate money. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash who pods the watchman, all one, all lowercase, all one word, who pods the watchman. And there you can make a per episode pledge. Give us a dollar or two or three or five. Please get in on the ground floor and really start supporting us. We will take note of our earliest recruits and those people who are passionate to join us as we continue to grow our 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 army, our Rorschach army. I'm our, afraid to like say that because we're uh, going to dive into what that army might be. I was uh, going to say it now, but I'll wait till we dive into the the trailer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Supporters on uh, on Patreon. We'll figure out a new a new name for our crew, our yeah. our main posse, our watchies. Are we gonna call them watchies? No. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Men, just men. We just call them. No. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Hello, men. <laughs> You are our men. Let's talk about your rights. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. So that's once again, patreon.com slash who pods the watchmen. We appreciate all of the support and it really is quick and easy to do. Pledge a buck or two and you only get charged if we put out new content. And we'll probably be doing some bonus podcast episodes with some special guests on right. there. I yeah. imagine as we kind of get this thing going, yeah. we're going to figure out um, the tiered system. Some tiers. Yeah. And we'll have some better incentives for you guys. And anyone who's already in on the ground floor, we won't forget you. We will totally hook you guys up as well. We appreciate all the support. And we are excited to continue growing this thing. Maybe some Watchmen stickers, some lunch boxes. Watchmen uh, watches. What about that idea? Oh, yeah. Clocks that annoyingly tick backwards <laughs> and you can never actually tell the time. Clocks that are always, like, past midnight. <laughs> They're just toggling. Back, toggling between midnight and, like, 12.05. It's almost doomsday. On future episodes of the pod, we'll be diving into the original tome, the Watchmen comic from Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, John Higgins, Published in eighty six and eighty seven, we've got we've got plenty of time till the HBO series premieres. We got a couple months. Yeah, a couple months. So we can really have some fun during that time examining these original comics, kind of detailing them issue by issue. Which I haven't really visited them in, in years. So look forward to that. We'll even have some special guests probably on a few of those episodes to to help us do that. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun and. I'm eager to get things wrong and hear the comments from you guys about like no, no, what no. obvious symbolism I'm missing in oh, certain yeah. of these comics. Because, yeah, I, I know some of this is, yeah, it's weighty and some people don't necessarily get that. And it could be me. <laughs> but I'm on a podcast talking about it, so think, we'll see. Yeah, at Baron Bond Grant on Twitter. Oh, boy. All right. So are you ready to talk about the trailer? Let's do it. We are no one. We are everyone. And we are invisible. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Let's talk this trailer. So I think it's good to note that for anyone who is familiar with the world of The Watchmen, the comic book, the movie that came out, Watchmen took place in the 80s, around 85, 86. 86, I believe, is when it came out. Right. And it was supposed to take place in that time. It's this alternate reality mm-hmm. where superhero, super-powered people have kind of changed the landscape of uh, the planet, but especially American history. We have 
invaded Vietnam and won, and I believe annexed them to some extent. And um, there's no wars anymore because there's Dr. Manhattan, who's a crazy American super force who's like all seeing God, basically. <laughs> but We've seen the face of God, and he's American. And he's blue and has a big blue wang. <laughs> no, no sign of the wang in this trailer, unfortunately. But Damon Lindelof, when he was approached to take on this project. He, he wrote... going to move on from my wang com? I mean, you brought it up, man. <laughs> I, it was I'm a good one, comment. I'm the one who wanted this, the, our podcast art to just to be a big blue dick. You did? Yeah. It was an interesting idea. Interesting. I mean... We it, didn't go with it. We would stand apart from all the other Watchmen podcasts that are out there that are just like a yellow happy face. I mean, we have something that's a, a bit of a Rorschach inkblot, so if people see a dick in that, you know... <laughs> That's that's on them. I mean, I see dicks in there. Of course. And anyway, so um, when when Lindelof took on this project, he said he didn't want to change anything about the original series. He wanted to do a modern um, peek back into that world. So we are taking place in 2019. Contemporary time. Yeah. Contemporary. And it, it's interesting. He, he likes to refer to the original as the Old Testament. And this is a New Testament. That is supposed to pay homage to the old, right? But and 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 incorporate some of the great characters from the old. Mm-hmm. But he wants it to be new. So this is where we are. We are back in this world where those superheroes and what happened happened. Right. It's a little lostism for you. Yes. And so yeah, we're introduced with a ticking clock. A ticking clock. Well, before we go scene by scene or shot by shot. Let's do some hot takes on this trailer. Hot takes! All right. Because I want to get my opinion on it. Just just before we go, like, really deep on it. I think this looks so fucking good, man. I mean, if this isn't your most anticipated new show of the year, then you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But there's nothing else that's really piqued my attention this year in terms of, like, a new uh, series. I mean, not not to this extent. No. I mean, what's interesting about this trailer, it, it... Seems a lot more intimate than the 2009 movie from Zack Snyder. Like, that was just a big bombastic, like, you know, uh, when I think of that movie, I think of the comedian holding a flamethrower and beating his chest, you know. But (laughs) when you look at this, it it has a much more intimate tone, even though we do get, like, uh, rooms full of aggressive-looking people in Rorschach masks shouting. It looks and feels smaller. Grounded. Grounded. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It's more intimate and quieter than I expected. I wasn't exactly expecting like huge superheroics, but there's definitely a hushed tone here. And I find that intriguing. Mm-hmm. And I love that there seem to be a ton of new characters or at least like maybe different versions of characters that we already know, um, which Lindelof has talked about. He's used the word remix when talking about this show, like he's remixing the Watchmen. Yes. Yeah. You know, and uh, obviously updating it for contemporary times and telling a new story, but seeing these new characters kind of echoing the look and the feel of some of the older characters that we know from Watchmen really plays into that remix idea. The, the old mixing with the new, giving it something different, but also paying homage to the old. The images are really striking. The tone is dark. Uh, there's a foreboding tone as well, but there's also like, it ends almost with a joke at the end. Cause we see Don Johnson mm-hmm. playing this like good old boy sheriff. I think he's a, he's a judge 
on the show, but it, he he ends with a wink and a nod and, and a bit of a some light flare, you know, because everything else beforehand is is pretty kind of dark and foreboding. But I like that we get that little comic flare at the end. It's like some sweet relief after yeah. something so heavy. <laughs> yes. I mean, the only bummer about this is no big blue dick. I mean, nothing. <laughs> we. It's possible we saw uh, Doctor Manhattan though. What? It's possible. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that when okay. we when we dissect things a little bit more nitty gritty. All right. What's uh, your What's your quick hot take? My hot take. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually a little bit surprised by the tone of this. For anyone who's um, as big of a uh, Damon Lindelof zealot as as I am, I'm almost there. No, I I would no. say that it was. I was expecting something a little bit more in tone with the later seasons of The Leftovers, and I was kind of surprised at how much this reminds me of the first season. And that might just be the first trailer, the the scenes they took, the cuts they have. But it... It depressed you, is what you're saying? Because that first season of Leftovers is really heavy, and I know a lot of people that I know didn't get past it because they felt it was too depressing. But of course, if you kept watching, that show just paid off so, so much. I mean, it's it's intense, but there is a, a bit of a, a melancholy in how things are like things are framed up close. I think in later seasons, things got a lot more expansive. Right, the the scope, like things pulled out a little bit more, and you could kind of take more in. Mm-hmm. And this feels a little bit claustrophobic to me. Mm-hmm. There's like even in the shots where you you see like a, a wider shot, there seems to be something in the foreground to to ground you in. There there's it's almost like there's like a, a looming presence that is indicative of, of us, the the viewer, right? A, a watchman, if you will. I don't know, <laughs> um, but I was just kind of uh, taken by that. Oh, there's a lot of nighttime scenes. It seems like they're using a lot of uh, cooler color, like color gels, on the film. It feels more intimate, right? Yeah, it yeah. feels much more intimate. And there's a lot of more intimate than what we might have been expecting. Yeah. It's it's definitely a marked shift in tone from the movies, and I think that is a very smart strategic call for them. I think it's wise. pretty intentional. They want to distinguish themselves, mm-hmm. and they've clearly done that. This yeah. does not feel like that bombastic, bombastic, uh, whatever. Like yeah. you just like. Sugar load, sugar rush, whatever that thing was. Stay tuned, listeners. We will be breaking down that movie on a future episode. That's going to be fun. So looking forward to it. Yeah. But there's also a lot of other nods to Lindelofisms that I I noticed kind of going on in here. There's Mm. this this small town, kind of like Miracle Texas thing. Oh, from Leftovers? From the Leftovers. There is there's these nods to like Alice in Wonderland references with some of the characters. We'll get into more of that as well. Um, the idea of the law enforcement and um, how people in positions of power operate within small town dynamics. Right. Um, that's definitely something from Leftovers, but also yes. something that was reflective of like stuff you would explore in um, in Lost. Lost. Uh, the the religious tones, religious iconography, uh, especially with uh, Rorschach's um, zealots, right uh, under the in the church with yeah. under the, the crucifix yeah, and the, the crucifix Bible and, verse, yeah, uh, written on the wall. Yeah, I mean he does not shy away from um, religious topics in his stuff. Mm-mm. In fact, he he seems he runs to, towards them. He, he does. He, he loves it. Yeah. There's menacing cults. 
We had the Guilty Remnant. We had Dharma Initiative, if you might want to call that a cult. I would. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the, these people <laughs> seem very cultish. So I'm I'm kind of intrigued by a lot of those um, hallmarks of Lindelof's works just kind of uh, being pervasive through his career. Mm-hmm. He definitely evolved from Lost in, and I think in his sophomore effort with The Leftovers, it's markedly more mature. Would you say you're more excited about this being a Lindelof show or this being a Watchmen show? Like, is that something that we can delineate here? Hmm. I would say if it wasn't Lindelof, I would be less excited. Mm-hmm. It really depends on who it would be. But because it's him, I know that he has a reverence for the material, but no, he has the intellectual capacity to adapt it in a way that is – that properly pays tribute to what it is and expands upon it mm-hmm. in a proper way. Yeah. I think it's a really good pairing. Yeah. He's perfect for it. Yeah. Not even pairing. It, it's a great lineup of network, property, and creator. Yeah. So overall, I would say – I mean, I went very long-winded for a, a brief hot take there. But I would say that I am excited. I'm just um, – I'm intrigued by what they chose to show us in this first glimpse. And I'm curious to see a little bit more of how the world unfolds and how much of this is the first episode versus like mm, yeah. things throughout the season. Right. Okay. So we're not necessarily going to do a super detailed shot by shot breakdown, but maybe we are. Um, we'll we'll ana- analyze it. We'll analyze it. We'll, we'll talk about what, yeah. sti- what sticks out to us. And what's what excites us? So we open on the the Rorschach Proud Boys. <laughs> Is that what we're gonna call them? I, you know, that's instantly what popped in my head when I saw all these. I mean, maybe there's some women in there, but they obviously look like dudes. It looks like a bunch of white dudes in masks, yeah. in their flannels, in. <laughs> Um, Nebraska or wherever this is kind of taking place. Yeah. It's Oklahoma, I think. This Uh, is Oklahoma. Do you think these guys, because, you know, if we think about the Watchmen comic and where Rorschach ended up, you think these guys are inspired by Rorschach's journal from the original Watchmen comic? Because at the end, he mails his journal with all the secrets to to a conservative news outlet. Conservative news outlet. And we're led to believe that they're going to publish it maybe because it's in the slush pile. And they're going to publish something from the slush pile. So maybe we're getting a story where Rorschach's story finally came out and it's inspired this group of vigilantes to incite some violence against their leaders. Because wasn't wasn't the Rorschach's, I guess, beef with Ozymandias and even with um, Blue Penis Man? (laughs) Dr. Manhattan. Blue Penis Man. Blue Penis Man. You know, that... He was going to expose the fact that they were uh, basically faking this alien invasion that was going to kill everyone. Yeah. 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 And Rorschach has always had an uneasy relationship with authority figures. Mm -hmm. And so the war between him or these Proud Boys, Mm -hmm. Rorschach Proud Boys, and the police department, yeah, it it fits – in line with them finding that there's conspiracy, especially if yeah we, conspiracy yeah if we take a look at the police who are also wearing masks and they seem to be donning yellow masks and mm. I'm not sure what that if there's a particular alliance to that but notably Adrian Vate Ozymandias who is still around um, wore yellow and purple 
And if that's a nod to him, so it, it could be that Ozymandias has had an influence on the police force kind of donning uh, an element of um, masking their identity in, in a crusade for being able to enforce right. rule of law, right. theoretically. And there's a pushback from these guys. And we can't help in modern day real, real America reading into yeah. where we might view a bunch of dudes in front of a church wearing masks, mm-hmm. chanting like zealots yeah. about a, a guy who died, where their ideology might lie. And yeah. it seems kind of in line with like alt-right kind of stuff. It does. Yeah, we're, we're assigning like this violent intention towards them. Like all these violent things that happen in this trailer, I'm already assigning to that group just based on – the world we've been living in lately and the images we've been seeing. And there's no way they're not writing this without – I mean that's fully intentional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They anticipate that we're going to – I was – they anticipate we're going to read into that. Mm. I was on this forum for Watchmen and Uh-oh. I I came across <laughs> – Reddit? These, uh, it wasn't Reddit. It, yeah. was a, it was a different little chat forum. And I came across these guys who were talking about the preview and were like – what is up with these people trying to paint Rorschach like this bad guy? And they're going to, I'm afraid they're going to interject all this like SJW social justice warrior <laughs> shit into there. Yeah. And I was like, did you guys read the comic? I mean, do you even understand? Like Rorschach wasn't the hero. <laughs> no, he wasn't. And we talked about this in our first episode. He definitely wasn't. Uh, Let's take it back a little bit to he that. He was a protagonist. He was a protagonist. Let's take it back to that question you just asked. Did you guys read the comic? There is a, a very large contingent of Watchmen fans who call themselves call themselves fans who have only seen the movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've met I've met a lot of them, and they're great people, but they've only seen the movie, and they've heard that the book is hard to get through, so they don't read the book. Understandably, it mm-hmm. is it is a weighty tome, as you just referred to yeah. it as a tome. Yeah, and in in the the, the movie kind of glorifies, definitely glorifies Rorschach a lot more than the comic does. It, even though he is he's a protagonist, sure, but he, ooh, his ideology is very harmful to himself and people around him. He's a destructive, jackbooted vigilante who's of course. Yeah. kind of fucked up guys yeah <laughs> um he he he's a bad yeah, guy he's not he's yeah. not wonderful okay there's an image of a crucifix behind the the rorschach fanboys proud boys and it's it's slightly tilted the way that the iconic uh image of the watchman past midnight clock mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. which everything seems to be Five minutes till. Mm, it's it's yes. all it, doomsday uh, symbolism going on. Which is a great echo to the comic while also being a new thing, presenting it in a new way, which is what we're the show seems to be all about. Yep. And the Bible verse around the crucifix, uh, it's Psalm 65, praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. Basically a verse praising God and his righteous return. Uh, what do you make of that? I think it fits in line with trying to frame these guys as zealots, mm-hmm. that they are passionately um, following, following what they think is are, are these principles and, and th- this dogma uh, surrounding the mythology of Rorschach. And 
that makes them not just feel that they're righteous, but it makes them legitimately dangerous. And so I think this is intentionally trying to frame them as destructive, right. as a force to be reckoned with that we should, in a way, fear. They're all wearing masks. It's, it's evocative of of the KKK. Uh, yeah. And purposely. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And they are going to war with what they feel is injustice, and they're going to do it uh, by attacking police. <laughs> they even outline that police are their foe, and it seems like they're going to kill a bunch of policemen. Tick tock. Yeah, and then we like immediately get right out of the gate the the TikTok, the countdown. It seems like they are waiting to reach Zion. Right? Like like yeah. they're they're willing to give their life for the cause. Yeah, through throughout the trailer like we hear the ticking of a clock. First it's the Proud Boys doing TikTok and it's mostly them, but we we do see some clocks ticking. Um, again, reminiscent of the comic and the doomsday clock counting down to the culmination of the ongoing Cold War in the comic um, into a massively destructive nuclear war between the superpowers that have. But don't you feel like this one isn't necessarily just like the a reference to the Cold War? Now the TikTok is well, yeah, a reference to like welcoming the mm-hmm. uh, the apocalypse in a way. Like, yeah, this 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 ticking clock on the show seems to signify some kind of guerrilla uprising. You know, it's not it's not the nuclear war um, that was going to be caused by tensions coming out of the Cold War. This is more of a homegrown uprising. Well, I, I feel like, I, yeah, maybe it's a TikTok to um, finally pulling the trigger and, and starting the war. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also got those religious undertones of, like, they are actually eagerly uh, anticipating the the rapture, the maybe the the end of times, like yeah. they, they want to push the world to get to that point, and because that's yeah. that is mm. a real thing that's of certain thing. zealot factions, right? That's true. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like something that uh, Lindelof would avoid. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he could totally do that. Yeah. So I don't know. If that was a storm. He would run directly towards it. Yeah. Um, Bread and butter. There are stop watches in this trailer and uh-huh. other watches. Continuing the huge symbolism of watches and watchmen. Wasn't Dr. Manhattan's dad a watchmaker? He was. Yeah. He, he, he was notably a watchmaker. And that's where I was mentioning, like, there, there was the theory of could that have been a shot from the past of um, John, I, I forget his name now. I need to have these memorized as we get going yeah. uh, in this podcast. Yeah. But um, Dr. Manhattan, it could have been a shot of him with the watch that maybe his dad made before he turns into Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Because Dr. Manhattan is definitely going to be one of those looming characters that if they're going to, they we know that Adrian Vate's going to make an appearance here. And if some of these old gods are still kind of operating in this world, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, Powers in a way. Did you ever read that comic, Powers? No, I haven't. Brian Michael Bendis. There was, um, there's, like, all sorts of superheroes in the world, but there were, like, this, the old guard, mm-hmm. and um, they still kind of exist in that world, and they're kind of whispered about in a way. Yeah. I, I kind of imagine in a way, like, some of these other people are still around, still kicking, and we'll get whispers of them, and... I don't know how much they would want to show Dr. Manhattan or just have 
his presence be this this looming threat like like God that you never actually see. Maybe a season one finale reveal or something. Just the blue dick. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) It's just going to be spliced in Fight Club style. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the season two promo material would just be blue dicks. Okay, moving on. We see what looks like images of police officers, detectives, authority figures at a funeral and various other places. They're all wearing masks. Right. Yeah. So... The police have adopted the – I mean, if we go back into the Watchmen comic book history, mm-hmm. the – Minutemen. The reason that there was a ban on these these Watchmen, on these costume vigilantes is because that in part the police had a big problem with these masked vigilantes moving in and trying to keep the peace and getting all this praise while being masked people. Right. And now it's funny to see in modern day, there's kind of this shift. It seems like superheroes might still be operating, like, under the radar. Like, it's not really an accepted thing. But police officers seem to be now kind of disguising who they are in a way. And what does that mean in the context of modern day? It feels like, because I've seen this trailer a few times, and the first time I was just really paying attention to the images but after watching it several times, a story starts to take shape, mm-hmm. and it feels like that the police are under a big threat. All authority figures are under a big threat. Do you mm-hmm. think they're hiding their identities like a superhero would, like the way Spider-Man hides his identity so people won't go fuck with Mary Jane? To an extent, yeah. And I, I wonder if this is something that we're going to see adopted as the story progresses or we're going to be dropped in where they're already hiding their identity. Like, I wonder if there's going to be an inciting incident that results in police force now feeling like we can't allow people to kind of know who we are. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, like police officers uh, south of the border who um, have to kind of uh, keep, <laughs> keep their family safe by keeping their identity uh, right. protected yeah. in, in certain, certain yeah. locales. Yeah. I do like the idea of the true authority figures in the world taking on the visage of a mass vigilante Mm. in a modern context. I mean, you know, kind of uh, misappropriating that the way kind of the way the alt right has misappropriated Rorschach. Well, I mean, you know, you know what what is funny about like the alt right idea of misappropriating Rorschach is that Rorschach did write a journal, and he did expose Osmandius for what he do- had did had yeah. done. I right. can I can speak. I'm on a podcast. What the hell? What he done did? What he done did? You're just thinking about them blue dicks, <laughs> and and to have that go to an alt right publication that other people would chalk up to be silly foolishness and conspiracy is almost too sweet, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, oh no, Rorschach, what he was saying is legit. And these people believing it would have a legitimate point to have a problem with trusting in someone like Ozymandias. The <sighs> the bigger problem is that those people are also going to go bonkers crazy with it and get yeah. guns and they're going to go hunt down. And, and then also to take that kind of faction and have them at war directly with the, the police – Oh man, it's a lot of interesting things going on here, this like politically. So, that it's like it's it's hard to like navigate and want to talk about. You know, it's so potent because sometimes when 
an older property like this is modernized or, you know, there's a, there's a reboot. Mm-hmm. A lot of times these filmmakers or writers will stuff um, a bunch of modern signifiers into something that doesn't really translate really well. You know, they, they, they reshape the story to sell it to modern audiences. But here, all Lindelof is doing is digging deeper into the themes and the images and the story of the original Watchmen. And it works so well in our modern context. He is complicating boundaries, I think, for people of many different uh, political yeah. ideologies and persuasions in watching this, because mm-hmm. how one might feel about the idea of of power systems and authority is going to be challenged when you don't know who to who you would even side with. I mean, the answer is Regina King. That's who I'm going to side with. I think our moral center is going to be Regina King. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to side with her. There, there. We have to. Yeah. Yeah. But... There has to be a moral center. I don't know. Don Johnson, at the end, made me think he's a little creepy. He's a little, oh, like, yeah. a little shifty. I'm like, I yeah. don't know actually how to feel about you. Yeah. So... I don't trust guys in that accent with a cowboy hat. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. It's just... It's how he's... Wo- how they, the team... I can't just keep saying it's only Lindelof. Mm-hmm. How the team have woven this story together... Mm-hmm. And how it is viewed through the lens of our our modern day toxic um, political uh, and socio mm-hmm. lens is just fascinating. You know, sometimes in TV and film, nothing excites me more than a property that is revamped or revised or brought back into the culture that feels like it was written today. Yeah, you know, an old property. That feels like it was written today. And when I think about Watchmen and those themes, it is so relevant to what's going on today. And it's so ripe for what Lindelof could potentially do with this show. I mean, there's plenty of adaptations out there that are not good on television. But then there's other stuff like Fargo that just nails it. Like Noah Hawley. Mm -hmm. What he does with Fargo, what he does with Legion. How he he takes the material and works it into building out this new world that feels cohesive with what you remember from the original property, but it's a proper, I was going to say modern update, but modern for us, but not not necessarily in Fargo. It's yeah, <laughs> it's still period piece. Some of it's in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Man. Anyway, uh, let's go on. Okay, Don Johnson. Speaking of Don Johnson. Uh, Nash Bridges himself is reportedly playing a character called Chief Judge Crawford, and we see him addressing a crowd, potentially the same funeral as before, saying, we've convinced ourselves that they were gone, but they were just hibernating. And since this is Watchmen, he's logically talking about costume vigilantes, superheroes, which, if that's true, the show... Seems to be well. His character, I guess, seems to be equating superheroes with terrorists. Are you thinking he's talking about them, or is he talking about like the Rorschach crew? Well, that's what I'm thinking because Rorschach was part of the superhero crew back in the day. Now you have these guys wearing his colors. Yeah, but they're more like a a sleeper cell faction. That's sure, like, but they're also like terrorists. But they're also masked vigilantes working to. I mean, that remains to be seen. Are, yeah. are they doing? Acts of heroism. <laughs> well, if 
and trying think, to right wrongs. If you think about it in a in a Watchmen context, when Don Johnson says we've convinced ourselves that they were gone, mm-hmm. it makes me think of oh, superheroes have not been active, or exactly. costume vigilantes have been dormant for a while, and now they're back. Yeah, um, but the, the, they could be in this more terrorizing form of the Rorschach Proud Boys. Like part of the difference seems to be that these guys. These guys don't have powers. I'm not wearing hockey pants, kind of thing. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah. These, these guys are just wearing hockey pants. So yeah. They're they're masquerading. They're cosplaying as heroes. We don't know. Maybe maybe one of them does have powers, or maybe one of them is just as smart as Rorschach. We don't know. Right. Right. But probably not because they cut holes in their masks, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. which looks dumb, and uh, and their mask doesn't uh, change shape. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, with Don Johnson's character, um, I wonder if Judge is his first name. He's not necessarily a Judge because he looks like he's wearing a police uniform. He's um, oh, and like yeah, yeah, in yeah. charge of like the whole police department. That's I think a he's good the point. chief of police. Yeah, his name is Chief Judge Crawford. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Judge is like Judge Reinhold. Um, yeah, and you know, once again, a chief chief of police, just like in the Leftovers, you, you got uh, the the chief of police there. Yeah, that was, in a small town. Yeah, that's true. Um, Lindelof likes playing with that. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised he didn't get um, what's his name from the leftovers who played the main guy's dad. Oh, right. Yeah, the guy from uh, Urban Cowboy. Stick. <laughs> yeah, stick. <laughs> I immediately just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Stick from yeah, Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been pretty good in this role, but I'm looking forward to seeing Don Johnson in this role. I mean, he was in a few episodes of that kind of. B horror El Rey show uh, from Dust Till Dawn based oh, on the movie, right. and he played the uh, Michael Parks character from the Dust Till Dawn movie. Okay, and he just did it with such a shit eating grin intensity that was so fun to watch. And I see elements of that in in this character, so it should be fun. Yeah, Don Johnson just feels like one of those guys that is ready for this kind of reemergence that Quentin Tarantino bringing you back. Mm-hmm. To the A leagues thing, yeah. yeah, and it seemed like he kind of got lumped in a little bit more with Robert Rodriguez, and that's why he kind of got remixed into the Machete movies and then over <laughs> into um, the El Rey show. Uh, but yeah, being able to pop over here into HBO into one of their most prestigious upcoming projects is huge. Welcome to Prestige Television, Don Johnson. Don't blow it. Don't you blow it, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's this weird observation deck, it looks like, on the Washington Monument. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of signifies the impression of this sideways world that Watchmen has always presented, this alternative history, which or this alternative world that looks like ours, but it's slightly off kilter. You know, when I, I looked at it at first, it's this... The circular deck, yeah. I can't tell how it's even being suspended onto the top of there. Like, right. if it's it's floating on its own, or the is there a platform? It's like a low angle. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't tell. But I thought, like, all these little spikes on top of it, I'm like, oh, are those little spikes to prevent birds from landing on there? And I was like, no, Grant. Think about how actually big the Washington Monument is. Those are people. <laughs> those are people, I think, walking around on you top of it. You thought the people were spikes I thought it was for spikes birds? birds so birds can't land on are there. Are you saying this Watchmen show is going to have giant killer birds oh my god (laughs) they're back it's no longer squids now it's birds we thought they were hibernating 
So there's the idea that if you look at this from a bird's eye view, I wonder if that circular deck uh, along with the, the dot in the middle of the monument looks a little bit more like uh, Dr. Manhattan's symbol on its head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't yeah. know. I can see that. It's possible once you kind of get a little bird's eye view and then Such, like, oh, that's what they built that for. It's like a monument to him that he'll be able to see from yeah, space. Oh, wow. If that is true, what amazing restraint they have in this trailer not to show us that. Yeah. Wow. That that might be what they want to do because, you know, for all we know, he, he, he left. Well, I mean, in the comic, he pieces out to Mars, right? Yeah, he pieces out to Mars. Yeah. He's, he's done with all this. And maybe they want to be like... Here's a symbol to you. Come back to save us, protect us, or whatever. I don't know. Mm. He's like their apathetic Superman. Well, from the Superman to the regular person, we see Regina King mm-hmm. and Yaha Abdul Mateen the second in a all of a sudden a happy domestic situation. It's real bl- brief clips of it though, which yeah. make me think like these are flashbacks. Sure. Yeah. Like I thought. Is he still around? Mm. Are we only going to get like this glimpse of this this happy life that she lost? That's that's part of her tragic backstory, and now she's just kind of in a fuck it mode. I'm you mean, going... there's going to be a character dealing with some deep loss in the Lindelof show? Grief? What the hell you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're reportedly playing Cal and Angela Abraham. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know how many episodes Yaha is going to be in. So maybe maybe he's gone. I don't know. She is some kind of cop, as we see her with a badge and with a hooded costume and some makeup that obscures the top of her face. Mm-hmm. And also, like in the trailer, other promo material HBO sent out, you see the full getup. And she definitely has a badge. She has some kind of rosary or a chain on her belt as well. And I think she whips somebody with it later. The fact that Regina King's character is so front and center here... It's kind of the most on the surface exciting thing for me. I yes. think she's great. I think it's great to see a property like Watchmen putting a black female authority figure kind of at the center of its show, potentially the the moral center of this show. Like we we briefly also briefly mentioned before, uh the alt right tends to embrace elements of Watchmen, so it's kind of it's kind of great to to see see the show put a person of color in a central role. Absolutely. And it was a breath of fresh air to this trailer, which is just so bleak and, and foreboding of mm-hmm. this this society that's really hostile and tense and, and there's bad blood between everyone. And then to suddenly have a, a figure that we can root for. <laughs> it's like... She's putting on the costume. She's taking a stand against things. Like, we, we we aren't really sure. And it's possible we've misjudged this whole thing. She could be a corrupt cop. We don't know. Yeah. Or a corrupt whatever. But yeah. I think how everything is framed, it, it's setting up that she's going to be one of the um, heroic protagonists of this show that we're going to be rooting for, whereas... Tim Blake Nelson's character oh. might be a little bit on the opposite side of the spectrum where it's like <laughs> this uneasy, maybe maybe a good guy, but someone who makes you just fucking uncomfortable. Right. Right before he shows up in this trailer, there's a mention of a reckoning. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
that's that's where they're all getting out their shotguns and they're like mm-hmm. they're they're like, hey, let the end come. Let the let the rapture embrace us. Let the two percent disappear from the planet, all our leftovers, and let's let's get this kind of uh, show on the road. Let's go ahead and hunt down. Man, it seems like they're hunting down cops. It seems pretty fucked up. Yeah, because you have the police funeral that we see, and or the I assume is police funeral with all the um, the shooting the guns into the air. Twenty one gun salute. Yes, um, and the, yeah. the flag. It's definitely a police funeral, and the alt universe flag on the oh, on the right. casket. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, with the stripes and stars kind of inverted, and it seems like less stars. It's not mm-hmm. fifty states. Yeah. Mm. So whatever the breakdown is, I didn't get an exact count, but really? we will. You didn't? I didn't. Ah, I'm sorry. Want to pause and look at it again? <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, you mentioned Tim Blake Nelson. Right. We see him, apparently, next. It could be anybody, but the internet tells us it's Tim Blake Nelson. They wearing, already spoiled it. IMDb, yeah. IMDb's telling us. He's wearing this creepy mirror mask that reflects uh, whoever he's talking to, whoever's in front of him. Um, IMDb says his name is Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. Tim Blake Nelson, what do you think of this casting or the the potential for this character i fucking love tim blake nelson (laughs) i'm so excited for him to be here he can be quirky and kooky and fucking creepy um i'm imagining we're gonna get him being kind of creepy it's weird to me that we're seeing so many of these superheroes kind of wearing almost like similar masks they're Mm -hmm. all just kind of wearing this very plain this plain mask the cops are all wearing this plain yellow he's wearing a plain silver then there's the 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 handmade Rorschach ones, and yeah. it all feels a, DIY. a little bit similar yeah. in a way. Yeah, DIY as well. Do we think that he's a cop or an authority figure, or is he a vigilante? Because, like, well, I think he's a cop. I think what yeah. I've read of his backstory is that he is an interrogator for the police. Oh, that makes sense. So he's going to come in there... And he's going to be weird. <laughs> um, but I, I think that he's going to be, in some way, a more true acolyte of Rorschach. That's, yeah. That would be my impression that of this guy. That seems to be the visual signifier. Rorschach that I'm is yeah. wearing something on his face that you read into it what you will. Mm-hmm. And this guy seems to be more like, when you see me, I want you to see you. And... I am the reflection of you and your – it feels like the the smoke monster in a way. Mm. When the smoke monster mirrors people, like I am you, I am your inner demons, and right. I am your reckoning. Right. That's kind of what I took from it. Mm. I, I think that this guy will moonlight as his own kind of vigilante uh, enacting his own fucked up form of justice. I hope so. Yeah, and – at first, we might even be kind of like rooting for him, and then he'll go too far, and we'll be like, hold up. <laughs> that, that's how I would read into this character, but I don't know yet. Looking Glass, though, is again a reference to Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Like, yeah. through the Looking Glass, the White Rabbits, like, there's a whole bunch of this kind of stuff going on in Lost. Mm-hmm. And Lindelof loves to have literary references peppered in, whether or not they are Easter eggs and allusions to something that we're going to see in the future, or if it's it's just there for an Easter egg. He loves to do a lot of fan service like that, or for um, the truly in- invested. 
So in, in a way, for his own Rorschach zealots. The Grant Davises of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, Alice in Wonderland is just so pervasive. You and I happen to do another podcast called the Star Trek Discovery Pod. And some people listening here might have already heard that. If you haven't, please go subscribe and check that one out. StarTrekPod.com. But that one also loves to have a lot of references to Alice in Wonderland. Like you said, it's pervasive, almost to the point of it being hackneyed. But mm, yeah. but if anybody can pull it off or twist it in a pretty compelling way, it's going to be Lindelof. Okay. More cool casting. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Gene Smart. Uh, apparently, she's playing a federal agent. Speaking of Noah Hawley projects, Fargo mm-hmm. and Legion. Legion, yeah. Gene Smart. Popping over here, great bit of casting. Her name is Agent Blake. Blake is the comedian's last name. Uh, so I think she could potentially be his sister or... Maybe his sister wife? Sister wife. I think it's his sister wife. Wife sister. He, who's uh, into polygamy. <laughs> <Wasn't> <laughs> he? Did he have a wife? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But yeah. I mean, when you look when you look at the crime scene when he's getting killed in the first issue, yeah, he's seems to be he's all alone in his house with mm-hmm. just a bunch of uh, nudie magazines. Right, right, right. So, yeah, yeah. Mm, doesn't and, seem like the domesticated life. I think in the movie he's like watching porn too before. Yep. Before they kill him. Well, who knows who this character is? We don't. We just kind of see her face. Yeah, and, but they can't use that name, and it'd be coincidence. Of course not. No. So. Do you think she's going to be a proto-alt-right hippie murdering sociopath like the comedian? I wonder if she's trying to investigate the mm. the guilty remnant, <laughs> the uh, Rorschach's um, yeah. splinter cell that's kind of um, been growing here in Oklahoma. Yeah. And whatever her motive is will be kind of fascinating. And if she might want to, from a storyteller guessing Perspective, I would say that she's there to manipulate scenarios. Mm -hmm. She's there to investigate from afar and try and make something worse happen because that's more interesting. Yeah, I could agree with that. It could be anything because I've seen – we've all seen Gene Smart just morph into such extremes when she's playing different characters. Mm -hmm. She can be this crazy – out of her mind, evil character, or she could be the, the dopey best friend. Yeah, like uh, the show Ozark. I love the FBI agent there who oh, yeah. goes in and he really is just like desperate to best bust these guys. But he compromises on every principle that an FBI agent has in order to try and get his mark. And he essentially loses his soul in his quest and that's what obsession does. I think th- those kind of characters that are these these lone wolf agents investigating something, they're always fascinating. Ooh, I would love to see her do that. Yeah. Okay, there's a, a shot of a bunch of maybe dead bodies in the middle of a circus or a carnival of some sort. I'm obviously just prescribing this to the Rorschach Proud Boys. What do you think? Yeah. It it could be that they go on a killing spree or some shit goes sideways. I I don't know. It felt very reminiscent of The Killing Joke, which was yep. another fantastic Alan Moore uh, comic book that he did. This was his take on a Batman story when 
Batman finally kills the Joker. This thing, oh, sorry. That might be a spoiler for some people who haven't read it. <laughs> I, I would highly recommend you read it. I just spoiled the ending. It's like 20, 30 years old. It's, it's so old, it's right? It's fine. They made a, a movie with it's, Mark Hamill. It's still great. Yeah. You should check it out. But, um, yeah, there's a scene where the Joker just goes crazy and kills a bunch of people at a carnival. And this just feels so evocative of it that it can't be an accident. It's got to be like an intentional um, reference, I think, there. Yeah, little little piece of candy for the DC fanboys there. I, I did read, however, a theory from some other outlet, and I, I apologize to the outlet that I'm not going to give them their due in their theory here because I don't remember who it was. But someone did suggest the idea that if we think about what happened with the big unleashing of the monster by um, Ozymandias at the end of the Watchmen book. Um, it releases psychic energy that like right. just wrecks people across the planet too. Yeah. So it isn't just about the monster attack, but it's it's destructive to all these towns. And if this is a flashback, carnivals do seem to be like an older, quainter thing than I don't know. Maybe they're they're still around mm. in small towns, yeah. taking up the main street thoroughfair. Right. Yeah, but it feels like a, a quainter '80s kind of thing. If they are around, they're more on the fringes. But yeah, could be a flashback. Could be like this is what the destruction looked like. There were just people right. dead or dazed and just gone or irradiated. Wasn't there radiation that was oh, sent I- out because of that squid too? Yeah. I don't recall. Okay. I'm, I got to go back. <laughs> well, we got to we'll, go back and read it. Well, well, we will. We have to go back. <sighs> I can't stop with them. You're not going to get me to stop with lost references. It's fine. Uh, okay. We finally get a shot of Jeremy Irons, who I think was the the, the first big name we got associated with this show. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the big headliners. Exactly. We we hear he's playing Adrian Veidt. 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 Ozymandias. Yes. He's he's meditating here in this shot, very Doctor Manhattan type of pose. Well, very Adrian Vade as well. He's like this super nimble, um, Batman esque character who keeps his body always just like at the pinnacle of perfection. Even at seventy years old or however old uh, Jeremy Irons is, he's still sinewy and fit. And he can cross his legs on top of a desk and do meditation for hours. Yeah. But he also seems to be living in a castle, fine, unaccountable for the actions that he did. I mean, and there's a whole discussion to be had between us Mm -hmm. about the justification of his actions. Sure. Of him avoiding nuclear holocaust on this planet by giving us a different foe. But at the same time, crippling so much of humanity and the cost of that. But yeah, he's here as a character that we're going to see who seem to have not faced any repercussions. He's still living in a castle. Does it? Well, I mean, does it seem to you like he is living an ostracized life? We don't see him really interact with anyone. Um, if he is in a castle, later on we see him maybe riding a horse in the countryside, but the castle seems kind of dead, dead, kind of far away. He seems very alone yeah. here. Yeah, I, I think that's intentional. I think that, you know, similar to a lot of, like, similar to Thanos, <laughs> you, you complete a 
quest, mm. and then you you just kind of go into a reclusive retirement. Put your armor on a scarecrow. Yep. yep. And, and you hang up your reins, and you go, "Hey, I did my I did my best. I'm gonna hang up my spurs, and I'm gonna relax into the quiet life." And it seems like that might be kind of what he's embracing. I'm not sure if it's mm. um, a purposeful ostracization. I butchered that word uh, from society, yeah. or if. Um, if he just happened to be framed not being around other people, but mm-hmm. maybe he's still a socialite. I don't know. Well, there's also an image right after that of a like, like a foreign general striking a match. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah very yeah. brief. Yeah, kind of pointing toward the idea that there's forces uh, all around the world that are involved in this story. It's not just a small town. It's not just America. It's very brief. Yeah, I kind of am eager for the expansion of scope of of this world. Really? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily want such an intimate I don't know, I say that, but I'm I'm going to be fine with the ride. I was going to ask you earlier when we were talking about how intimate this trailer makes the show seem. Are you good with that? Do you want a are you wanting a bigger scale? I think I'm wanting a bigger scale. In so much as if this is going to be, I, I want this show to be the next big tentpole show for HBO. I want it to kind of take know. up the reins that Game of Thrones had. And I think they're positioning his dark materials for that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of concerned about this follow, following the a little bit more smaller scale, more modest audience of The Leftovers. Um and and Westworld is hasn't fared as big as you know Game of Thrones, but uh, the Westworld's very cerebral, and I can understand it being a little off putting to people. Well, they got I, Jesse Pinkman next season, so yeah, maybe that'll bring some people in. As long as he's saying "bitch, yo, bitch," that that'll definitely help. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know, uh, I but I do like the idea of there being a little bit more of an international presence. Sure. Uh, the addressing kind of the the tensions around the world, even if it's a little brief glimpses, just the acknowledgement of what is going on in the larger scope of this society, like how this world operates in the aftermath of what happened in the original Watchmen comic. Right. Uh, We continue with lots of just quick flashes of images. Regina King, like I said, smacks a bitch down in costume. Right. We, We see a flash of light. In in the middle of like a cow pasture. That's where I imagine like um, the Proud Boys are, Proud Boys are yeah. like starting their assault of yeah. probably the judge's house or something. Mm, yeah. They all flash the lights and it's like, oh shit, I don't know what's going on. And they can see everything and they have the advantage and right. that's when they mount their attack. Uh, we continue uh, Ozymandias riding a horse past a pirate flag. <gasps> that's a direct. Direct reference to the Black Freighter comic. Pirate flags. Pirate flags. Pirate flags are back in. Yeah. Folks, if you are following us on our Instagram, please take any pictures you see of pirate flags and tag us on it. Share them with us. I haven't seen a lot of pirate flags around. Dude, I I just went on a vacation to the coast, the Texas coast, and I saw pirate flags everywhere. I should have taken pictures and put them on. Yeah, take some pictures. Uh, What are we? At Who Pods a Watchman. At Who Pods a Watchman. Follow us on Instagram. For the dankest memes. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's true. But I'm such a spicy it. meme lord, Grant. <laughs> okay, so it's interesting that the Black Freighter is being worked in here seemingly into the main text of the series because we see Adrian Veidt kind of fly past the Black Freighter flag on and a it's horse. sitting on a scythe. Yeah. What is that? Like a, a scythe, like a Grim Reaper's um, staff with a, <laughs> the, a threshing that, that's scythe. True. Yeah, yeah. And hmm. I, I'm like, what's up with it? the flag being on top of a scythe? Hmm. It, it's all just evocative of death. It's. I wonder if it's a a kind of a death threat to him mm, on yeah. his property. Right. Like people are like, we're going to get you, you, you genocidal maniac. Yeah. You genocidal rascal. You scamp. So here's another thing. We get a glimpse of what looks like Night Owl's ship. Maybe. In the comics, they called it Archie. In the movie, they didn't call it anything because they thought Archie was dorky. The owl ship. The owl ship. Uh, we, we see it falling to the ground from far away as um, Regina King's – her name's Abraham. She she is looking at it. Yeah, it seems to be crashing through a bunch of trees like, what's it doing here in Oklahoma? <laughs> but yeah. it, it seems like there must be something – significant going on in this small town right that this is the nexus of a next big event some sort of crisis if it's calling in these people from other places if adrian vate in his castle is now taking notice somehow or being pulled into this kind of narrative if we're seeing maybe the owl ship it'll be interesting if a lot of these paths start converging on this new modern day event and these people in some way maybe have to come to some sort of reckoning with their past. A reckoning is coming, Grant. A reckoning is coming. Yeah, because before we see the owl, apparently the owl ship crashing, we, there's an image of one of these Proud Boys like shooting a huge gun on a tank or something in the air. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's shooting at it. I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe. We see Jeremy Irons pushing on this like wily coyote looking detonator. In his house for some reason. What is he doing there? Is that like his TV remote? What is that? Why did he grow that big, long mustache that he's twirling at the same time? <laughs> did he have a, a damsel tied up on the train tracks? That's that's it. <laughs> All yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of comical. Yes. Is it a donkey wheel he's pushing? I don't know. Oh, God. It's I, not a donkey wheel. Are we going to have a problem with this? It's fine. It's, it's fine. Not gonna, it's not I mean, end. I can't turn it off. Keep it under 10 references an episode. Oh, that's you ask too much. <laughs> you have to pull back. <laughs> All right. A very iconic uh, image of looking glass again. Mm-hmm. Um, very memorable image of, of this masked, mirrored man in front of a screen showing very, like, American iconography, cowboys, um, NASA astronauts, yeah, people it, in uniform. It seems like propaganda in a way. Yeah, it's, it seems like a propaganda reel, a very creepy propaganda reel. And yeah, I'm not sure if this is in the police station where he's trying to give a talk and talking in front of the screen because he or, knows it'll be a little like talking in front of like his the police department or trying and, to deprogram somebody maybe or during an interrogation it could be that kind of clockwork orange thing eyes mm-hmm. peeled open and right. flashes of images yeah I, I i do see a figure reflected in his face with the mask um can't really make out who it is or what it is i i'm going to be looking for like boom mics and cameras and crew members in his face you know <laughs> Kind of like the Game of Thrones Starbucks cup. Yeah, I wonder if they they should just have him wear a green 
screen mask and then they yeah. just project that onto it. I wonder how they're doing that. Like, it can't be a real mirror, right? It has to be some kind of digital effect. It's got to be tough yeah. for their, their filming to get that if he is wearing that actual mask. Okay, and we cut to toting a big gun. Uh, Adelaide Clemens, the actor, uh, playing a character named, according to IMDb, Pirate Jenny. What? And it looks like she's some kind of cop, authority figure. Uh, Pirate Jenny. Maybe more of like a, a specialized marauder. She has this big gun. Her her um, superhero co- her costume is just all these bandanas. She looks pretty badass. But is she part of GI Joe? <laughs> <laughs> she looks like yeah. She looks like Scarlet. Um, I think she looks dope. Yeah. Her character name apparently is a reference to an old story that inspired. Alan Moore's to write the Black Freighter. Nice. That's a nice little uh, reference there. Mm-hmm. Pirate Jenny. All right. <laughs> um, very intrigued. I, I don't really have any um, particular thoughts here. Yeah. Listeners, email us and tell us what you think about Pirate Jenny. <laughs> uh, finally, we see more more Rorschach babies, more, more Proud Boys, um, whatever, in their hideout chanting again. They're hiding out. They're they're creeping us out. They're chanting TikTok. They keep having. They have the some of the clocks kind of tick backwards. I didn't notice that. Um, it happens to the clock. I think right before we see Adrian Vate, or he like stops a clock, but it's ticking backwards, mm. and it's a little unsettling. I'm not sure if they're playing the scene in reverse or if he happens to have a clock that goes backwards. Oh, he does have a donkey wheel, so we are going back in time. It is. Mm. They're, they're, Man, are we going to have time travel? Is this going to happen? <laughs> now, I'm the one making lost references. <laughs> it's an infection. Uh, okay. And then we end with more Don Johnson as uh, the good old boy, Chief Judge Crawford, uh, talking to somebody. Somebody asks him what they're talking about. He says, oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Tick tock, tick tock. And I'm instantly a fan of this character. Yeah. Although when he says that, do you question whether or not the judge and chief of the police is also secretly part of the Rorschach gang? Well, now I do. Thanks. Like when he said that, when he's saying like, just the end of the world, tick tock, tick tock. I thought maybe he's doing a wink and a nod to one of the fellow people because they, they wear masks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they speak in code to kind of, um, Signal to each other, like, hey, we're we're brothers in this sort of alliance. Yeah. That could be what we are meant to believe. I don't know. He's I, taking a back, Grant. I'm, I think this gives us a lot, obviously. We've spent a lot of time speculating here. And I'm intrigued to see what the second trailer, whenever that comes out. Yeah, because this is billed as a teaser trailer. Yeah. It's like a minute and a half. Once another trailer comes out and we have a much more fleshed out idea, um, we spent, yeah, we spent over an hour talking about this. (laughs) Yeah. And, of course, you know, the HBO logo comes up coming out this fall. We still don't have a premiere date yet. Hopefully September, maybe earlier. Um, No music, I don't think, from Trent Reznor or Atticus Finch. Maybe there was. Just a TikTok is all we got, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's. It, I have a lot of thoughts swirling about this. I'm uneasy, and I think that's the intent. It definitely doesn't feel like the movie, but it it plays very well 
on this imagining of what a modern day society would look like after the ramifications of Ozymandias's plan being executed. And it looks like it's definitely leaning into Lindelof's remix idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a quick break. Okay, and we're back. We're back to, to say goodbye. Oh, that's why we came back. Ah, a little tricky break. Visit us at whopodsawatchman.com. I think uh, our next episode, we're probably going to be breaking down those comics. Mm, are you excited? Yes, I'm really excited. I haven't read those in years. We're just we're going to do issue by issue, right? Yep, we're going to do 12 issues back to back, potentially, unless another trailer comes out and we have to interject that. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go and dissect panel by panel, little tiny detail by detail that Dave Gibbons has drawn into each little block. What is he <laughs> implying by that gutter? And it's going to go crazy, and you guys are going to hate me, and you're never going to listen to this <laughs> show again. And I'm sorry, I can't turn my brain off. I'll try to reel him back in. Um, okay, so yeah, visit us at whopodsawatchmen.com. Uh, you can find links to all of our social media handles there. Guys, we need you to subscribe and rate and review on Apple Podcast. And and tell other people. If you have other people who enjoy The Watchmen and are also hyped about the upcoming show, I think this is going to be a fun journey for us going issue by issue and like really delving into it and talking about what's going on here. And I hope that you guys enjoy going along with us and are reading the comic issue by issue and waiting for our our next episode to kind of think about what's going on with this it'll be a fun build up to the show coming out and being able to embrace that in all of its glory and don't forget we're also going to watch that movie oh no (laughs) (laughs) and do do a retro review on the movie the 2009 movie so watch that too and we'll be talking about that in a couple weeks All right, I think we're done here, Mike. Let's go ahead and turn off the mic and get back to reading some more comics because I'm excited to come back into the studio and talk about that first issue. See you next week. Bye. Bye.